0: to Charmed Life, a radio show discussing spirituality, magic, and the unconditional love of the universe. Thanks for tuning in. And I am your host, Trisha Carr. I could not be any more thrilled with this episode today. Welcome everyone who is watching live, which you can do on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Trisha Carr. Of course, you can watch the replays there and listen on iTunes by searching Charmed Life with Trisha Carr. And welcome to the Lightworkers Lab, all of my buddies there in the spiritual community. You will find on Facebook. Uh, founded by my dear friend Crystal Ann Compton, it is a resource for fellowship, spiritual development, and expression. And I am a teacher there. You'll find me there every Wednesday night. So welcome, the Labas. And without further delay, I am thrilled to welcome in-studio, he is a writer, director, producer, public speaker, and you know him as the channel of Bashar, Daryl Anka. Welcome! Thank you, Trisha. Thank you Appreciate so much. <laughs> I, I Seriously, I'm like giddy. I'm like uh, fangirling. I'm super excited. <laughs> <laughs> trying to ground myself.
1: <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm just an ordinary guy. I,
0: well, aren't we all? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we're all special, too. And but we
1: all can do extraordinary things.
0: <laughs> yes, we can. Should he pull his mic up a little bit closer, Kurt? Just a little, just a little bit. bit. And hello, producer Kurt. Making it look great and sound great here. Uh, well, we yeah. are we are going to talk about so many things today. I hope, and one of which I would love to talk about your brand. I don't know, how long has it been out? Your new book, "Shards of a Shattered Mirror," Book One, Cryptic.
1: It's been out for several months. Oh, several months. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and it's the first book in a series of five. Yes. It is essentially a sci-fi novel, mm-hmm. but uh, it is based a little bit on some information that has come through the channeling about <clears throat> uh, the future of Earth and some of the hybrid beings that exist at that time in the future, what Mm -hmm. we call the future. Um, So I was very excited to take that information and uh, blend it in with um, kind of a science fiction story, but for the purpose of getting across certain ideas, certain principles, infusing the principles we've learned in the channeling into the science fiction novel. Um, So yes, the first book, Cryptic, is out. And available um, <clears throat> through my website, Darrellanka.com. But I'm working on the second book. And like I said, there are uh, a few more to come after that.
0: That's so exciting. And by the way, in the show notes, you have links to Daryl's websites as well as a direct link to be able to purchase the book. And I highly recommend it. I've just started it, but I am really – and actually, <laughs> on your website, there are – Uh, you can do uh, downloads of some workshops where Willa, who is the perspective, and she's actually, you're reading some of it, and Willa is actually talking about some of those. on the
1: Bashar.org website, they can get actual recordings of the channeling sessions that we do, some of which do contain Willa coming through and uh, speaking about a variety of of objects and subjects and connections to nature and so on and so forth.
0: So Bashar is sort of the primary... (coughs) Yes. Entity being that you're connected with the U-Channel and then Willa is... How long have you been channeling Willa Willa has has only
1: come through in the past couple of years Mm. Um, there is sort of a representation of a a change an upgrade a shift in my channeling Uh, as I've sort of explained Bashar um, from a linear perspective is a future self of mine Mm -hmm. Willa is also another future self of mine so Mm -hmm. as my energy shifts and changes as I become more my version let's say of Bashar Mm -hmm. on earth being able to express more of myself, then my energy frequency is capable of tapping into other dimensional aspects mm-hmm. of my greater being, of which Bashar and Willa and I are all a part, let's say, different extensions of the same oversoul, so right. to speak. Um, so it's part of the natural process of expanding my energy as my channeling expands and shifts and changes uh, the more I do it.
0: Ken, I want to share with you and <coughs> see how this strikes you. um I ha- uh, last year I had a few visions one of which was during a quantum healing hypnosis technique session mm-hmm. had the life between life um, experience right. and but I had had a couple of other I guess downloads or channeled experiences in trance just at, at home you know and yeah. but when in this like life, you do <laughs> like, yeah, sure <laughs> you know <laughs> how you how you uh, spend the day um, <clears throat> but on uh, and, and during my QHHT session in my life between life I was it's basically at um, a, a council, kind mm-hmm. of. I guess you, what we kind of refer to as maybe the soul group, soul family, right. and we were working together to compose my multidimensional consciousness, okay. which and of which I was the head, right. <laughs> and but other beings or energies really were contributing, including right. like like my mother was there, right, and right, right. you know some beings I would recognize as archangelic or um, elemental, and so on and so forth, and. um we, what, what that looked like was basically a vortex of energy or light, mm-hmm. and as we sort of decided on what, would, what those intentions were, mm-hmm. the being that I count, that counseled me, we would join, as you have explained, we would join right. our energy, and that energy would become a part of that vortex of energy. Right, 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 right. And that's how you've described it, if you want to explain the, the third entity that we actually create when we connect, right? <clears throat> like right.
1: That's... Um It's like, I guess, what people call a a vesica Mm viscus or a Venn diagram, where you have the entity that is considered my consciousness. Mm -hmm. You have the entity that is considered Bashar's consciousness or Willa's. But the idea is what people are actually getting in the channeling is the combination of the two which forms a third entity, sort of what Bashar has referred to as a simulacrum. Mm -hmm. It's like a simulation of a third consciousness that functions as the space holder or the template yeah, for the ability of the two entities, myself and Bashar, to connect mm-hmm. and acts as the translation device, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. that allows Bashar's thoughts and vibrations to be translated into our language. So when people are actually speaking to, quote-unquote, Bashar mm-hmm. at a session – they really are actually interacting with the third entity uh, that is the combination of the two of us. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that's sort of the way it functions, sort of I guess similarly to the idea, if you understand that when you're talking with someone on the phone, mm-hmm. you're not hearing their actual voice.
0: Right. You're hearing case, right?
1: something that has been turned into electronic single signals and then back into audio signals. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, you're dealing with a representation, a symbol, a simulacrum of the friend that you're talking to. And you're not right. talking to them directly. Um, so it's sort of similar to that on a higher energy
0: level. Yes, right. With it, the way that progressed in my uh, vision was then that as it was it's it's never static it's always it's always
1: dynamically exactly
0: changing. nothing ever yeah that's one of the five yeah. rules <laughs> everything
1: changes all <laughs> the time except for the laws <laughs> except for the laws
0: themselves <laughs> yes <Yeah>. and <coughs> so then it's that particular like that multi the like soul you might want to call it mm-hmm. then is compared to a context a time space reality right and then the stars. Soul, Mm. in my case, the Earth actually acts as a vortex to then help to create the physical time-space reality. Yes, Mm -hmm. and acts as a vacuum, and then that continues as it never ends, as it's never static. When we connect along the frequency of love, you know, rather Mm -hmm. than something that is discordant, right? Then we actually create that third energy, and it becomes a literal part of that soul vortex energy. Mm -hmm. And so that, to me, made sense. Like that is how we are connecting with other time, space, realities, other lives, other uh, whether we call them past, parallel, or future. Right. Speak to that, if you will, please.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, people, I think, are beginning to understand that, even scientists are beginning to understand that time and space are illusions. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything actually exists simultaneously, but by focusing our consciousness in a space-time framework we interpret things as past, present, and future. That's just the way that physical reality is described as an experience. But in everything existing at the same time, uh, when we make present connections to other simultaneously existing present realities, Mm -hmm. we interpret that as either a past connection or a future connection Mm -hmm. or a parallel reality connection or something like that. Um, So there's a big difference between the interpretation or experience and what is actually mechanically Mm -hmm. happening. And that's one of the things that I'm sort of working to clarify. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm in the process of writing another book called One, The Unified Theory of Metaphysics, which like the idea of the theory of physics, seeks to create a framework against which you can measure or compare all different kinds of metaphysical concepts Mm -hmm. so that if the concept, if the definition we have today of the concept doesn't quite fit the framework, it helps you to understand not only the connections between all the different metaphysical experiences or phenomena, but it also helps to clarify what part of the definition is outdated and what part is actually a description of the mechanism involved. So let's say, for example... The concept of telepathy. <clears throat> the standard experiential definition of telepathy is that you're reading someone else's mind. The understanding is that it's all about resonance and vibration and frequency. You're not literally reading someone else's mind. What you're doing is you are starting to change your frequency to be something that more closely matches the frequency of the other person. Mm -hmm. And when you're vibrating in harmonic resonance, you have the same thoughts at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that's the mechanical description as opposed to the experiential outdated definition that it's actually mind reading.
0: Right, of course. You're
1: only really reading your own mind But you're operating on a similar enough wavelength that the only thoughts you have are the same kind of thoughts the other person is having that you're matching the frequency of. So I'm looking for the framework that I'm creating to be able to differentiate between the definition of an experience as opposed to the definition of the actual mechanical causation of why that experience can happen.
0: And part of what would be outdated so far as it concerns reincarnation is that this mm-hmm. one same soul right. is going into, you know, creating different bodies. Actually, I think that that's something that we don't realize the is that the soul, soul. the oversoul creates right. the body, the energy creates the body. And
1: they're extensions an of extension. the oversoul yeah. that create individual souls, which mm-hmm. then create a higher mind and a physical mind. Yes. And but all of that exists at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, in the concept of reincarnation, again comparing it to this idea of a unified theory framework, if everything exists simultaneously, all lives exist right now, Mm -hmm. whether you call them past, future, present, or what. Therefore, it's not that any particular individual physical consciousness becomes another person or has been another person because those people exist in their own right right now. Mm -hmm. And when you make an energetic or informational connection to them, you interpret that as a past life connection because it's difficult for us in this space-time framework to consider that everything is existing at the same time all at once. Um, But this is why you can have 50 different people saying that they were Cleopatra. (laughs) And it actually can be true in the experience because if everyone is existing at the same time, then it's just that those 50 people are vibrationally, resonantly connecting to the person known as Cleopatra who exists at the same time Mm -hmm. in another, quote unquote, parallel time frame from us. And because that many people can connect to the same energy, that many people can think or believe they actually physically were that person, when all they're really doing is networking with that person energetically at the same time that 49 other people are. (laughs) Um, So again, explaining the difference between an experience, Mm -hmm. describing it, oh, we we were all Cleopatra, as opposed to the mechanical causation, we're just all connecting to the vibration we historically know as the person of Cleopatra, who exists right alongside us, in a slightly altered frequency yes. in her reality. But that's her present. And she may be doing the same with you.
0: Exactly. I think she is. Yeah. I she think may she, be I connecting to other me.
1: people <laughs> and pulling information and energy from them and mm-hmm. thinking that those are future lives or right. past lives or what have you. Uh, so we really just have to learn the difference between the concept of the experience mm-hmm. as being a valid description of an experience but it's not necessarily an accurate description of the mechanism that is causing the experience. And by learning the true mechanism, we can kind of become more conscious about how these things are created Mm -hmm. and we can, use them in different ways. We can propel ourselves and accelerate ourselves through another level of consciousness by understanding how these things actually work, how they're caused to begin with. Mm -hmm. Let go of outdated, old-fashioned, medieval definitions that sort of keep us in the dark ages with these things.
0: Keep us physically, uh, you know, obsessed even. Exactly. And
1: then learn that the actual causation frees us to understand how reality works, And by really understanding how reality works, then creating the lives we really prefer to create more consciously, more clearly, rather than getting stuck in these old-fashioned definitions that kind of keep us in these old-fashioned ruts and cycles of thinking.
0: And it all speaks to what quantum physics recognizes as quantum entanglement. And that's something that really helped me when I was developing my… Facility to telepathically connect, especially with animals and nature.
1: Right, mm-hmm. um, you know. I mean, I know that there. Are, I know that there are physicists who kind of bristle when somebody makes a connection <laughs> between physics and metaphysics. But I do believe there is an overlap. Of course, in, in some senses, I would call metaphysics physics without the math. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I do think that physicists in time will be able to start generating real formulas, real mathematics that describe all of this. I agree. Um, And they'll see that there is much more of an overlap than most people think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's okay what they believe right now. That's fine. It's part of the process. Um, It's part of the evolution. Um, But, yes, uh, entanglement, I think, has a lot to do with another way of looking at the fact that we're all different aspects of the same thing, Mm -hmm. which – you know, in reality is kind of what the physicists are looking for anyway.
0: Unified theory. Unified theory. theory.
1: Everything is an expression of one single thing. And the framework for the unified theory of metaphysics operates in the same way. All metaphysical phenomena are expressions of one single principle. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm attempting in that framework to break down those principles, show what the structure is, so that those metaphysical phenomena can be compared against it and you can sort of separate the wheat from the chaff mm. and understand what the core causation is of all of these different experiences that people have been having for thousands of years mm-hmm. that never really get explained as to what the cause really is behind them. So it's like when people come along um, like debunkers and, and people like that, you know, and I, I mean, open-minded skepticism is fine, of course. but you know, when you have somebody who's got their mind made up and they're mm-hmm. simply sort of cynically looking at something and dismissing it out of hand, um, you get into <clears throat> the situation where you have someone saying, well let 's test the idea of psychic functioning, for example right but what they 're going off of, and this is kind of the irony is you know they 're calling people who tout psychic functioning as being very gullible, mm-hmm. but in fact, the debunkers are actually the gullible ones because they 're believing in the myth yeah definition of what psychic functioning is as being the real definition. And of course, they can easily disprove the mythical definition because the mythical definition is not an accurate description of how psychic functioning works. So when they dismiss the mythical definition, they think they have proven that psychic functioning doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. All they've done is dispel the myth.
0: Right. Baby with the bathwater.
1: Exactly. So by having a deeper understanding of the causation, then you can actually start seeing experimentally situations and circumstances that actually demonstrate psychic functioning in the way it actually mechanically happens Mm -hmm. with a true understanding of the cause Um, and that's i think another reason why it's so important to provide the true mechanical understanding is then it creates a um, it creates less ability to debunk the thing because Mm -hmm. you're dealing with the actual cause and not the mythological definition
0: and not a lens of beliefs. that Because your yeah, beliefs right. your beliefs change reality or allows reality. Exactly. Ske- uh, I think it was right. David Wilcock I heard recently say that if you have a skeptic present, that it mm-hmm. will change physical reality, which is evident, it, I think, yes, it can. in your, your and UFO sighting. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. And, in fact, you can actually have two concurrent realities mm-hmm. going on simultaneously, right. the one that the skeptic is experiencing and the one that the believer is experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, but never the twain shall meet if there isn't an overlap. Right. That third idea, the that frequency third entity. That, yes, yeah. exactly. Um, so, but I think by coming at it with a different definition, a clearer definition, mm-hmm. it'll be easier to form that link, that bridge between those two realities, and com- create common consensus between them.
0: And and science actually makes <clears throat> its greatest, its well, maybe only the only discoveries it makes it makes is in chaos and pursuing an open-ended belief, really. I mean, that's... And, of course, we know...
1: And that's fine. Yes.
0: that's fine. But when... And and there's also... There is merit, too, like you say, Mm -hmm. in the evolution process of having some structure so that we aren't clouded by maybe some old myth or some dogma or some other kinds of beliefs we're trying to release. Just a
1: simple framework that allows for clarity to Mm -hmm. happen and to reveal underlying causation as Mm -hmm. opposed to getting caught up in the experiential definition, which can be very misleading.
0: I think that... As you're saying, you know, so far as really needing things to be linear, my soul was Cleopatra and, you know, in this line and, you know, the, that right. that it actually, if we're able to understand the experience uh, more definitively, it, there's something about being attached to that that makes it feel like it's more real because we're needing it to be the kind of real inside this time space reality or this Mm -hmm. this limit
1: and that's fine as what Bashar calls a permission slip Mm -hmm. which is basically any object any belief any ritual any technique and any tool that Mm -hmm. allows you to give yourself permission to be more of yourself Mm -hmm. because what you're doing is you're using the tool to supersede your belief system yeah and expand your belief system and that's fine But knowing that you're doing that is okay, too. Mm -hmm. So you can use the permission slip at the same time knowing that it is just a permission slip. Because ultimately what that leads to is the understanding that you are the primary permission slip. Because it's not so much the object or the belief that's making the change within you. You're deciding to make the change. Mm -hmm. And ultimately you realize you are the ultimate permission slip. Mm -hmm. And therefore you start needing the other symbolic permission slips the rituals the tools the techniques the objects the beliefs less and less and less Mm -hmm. and you can just change in more instantly in the way that you wish to by knowing that you've always had that power anyway and it's not really the power of the object even though you're using the object as a reflection Mm -hmm. to give yourself permission to make it somehow easier to do that in your beliefs
0: i always talk about with my students um, you know a tool is great, but mm-hmm. a tool needs to remain a tool. Once we give right. our sovereignty to the tool, then it becomes the master, and exactly. it actually doesn't work anymore. No, not really. <laughs> not really. Maybe in some kind of illusion, but but yeah. it starts. But that can create suffering because you're now not really connecting <clears throat> with the truth.
1: Right. It's kind of the paradox that Bashar often talks about in the channelings where he's saying, we need to understand how to use the power of the illusion instead of falling under the illusion of yes. power. Yes.
0: Oh. A <laughs> yeah. Red letter. Yeah. <laughs> I've got i have I've gotta write that one down. I have a few <laughs> Bashar quotes here. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> That's a really great one. That's one of my favorites. That yeah. is fantastic, yeah. Um and so let's talk let's talk again about the five stages of mastery as outlined in the The Shards in, book. In the Shards book and <clears> the upcoming ones, I imagine. The yes. first one, this one is about the first level of mastery, cryptic.
1: Cryptic, yes. correct. Yeah. The five levels of mastery as Willa has described them <clears throat> is a technique. That goes through these five stages. The first one being cryptic, the second nocturnal, the third shapeshifter, the fourth sage, and the last one called wraith. Mm-hmm. And the basic idea is that cryptic, the first level, is about forming or realizing your connections to nature, mm-hmm. grounding yourself uh, with the communication as an aspect of nature, because many humans think of themselves as being in <laughs> yes. nature, but they don't think of themselves as actually being. Nature, Because we are an expression of physical reality nature. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really grounding yourself in that connection, in that relationship with the rest of nature, uh, which allows you more communication with other aspects of nature. Trees, elementals, flowers, rocks, sky, Mm -hmm. earth, all of that. Really digging deeply into that. And the importance of that being the first stage is... The other stages involve much higher frequencies and other dimensional awareness. Mm-hmm. So, the first stage of cryptic is designed not only to connect you to nature just to get more understanding of your own nature, but to really actually anchor you and ground you right. in such a way that you, when you start exploring the higher levels, you don't become. Unlinked to right. me. You don't become ungrounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first step leads to the second, which is the nocturnal. The nocturnal stage is about starting to connect into your other multidimensional selves, mm-hmm. the parallel realities, the other kinds of versions of you that might exist in these other realities simultaneously. And starting to download information from them and use it in a more conscious way, recognizing all those linkages Mm -hmm. in an energetic, higher dimensional way. The next stage, shapeshifter, is actually about having such a command over linking with those parallel realities that you can actually start to physically express those other versions of yourself in this reality to a degree where other people can perceive them. Mm -hmm. So the idea of shape-shifting is not so much that you're physically altering your molecules Mm -hmm. into a different shape. It's that you're taking on the persona and the physical symbolism and representation of another version of you in a parallel reality more strongly Mm -hmm. than the version you've been presenting here. So you're actually presenting another parallel version of you. And sometimes they can look like you, but sometimes they don't have to look like you at all. So if you understand that everything is an expression of the same one thing, then a shapeshifter can present themselves as a bird, a tree, a whatever, because there is always going to be For lack of a better term, a version of you Mm -hmm. that is also expressed as all those things, because physical reality is an illusion. And anything that we're looking at is actually a projection of our own consciousness that we're creating in this reality in order to have this physical experience. So a shapeshifter has unlocked themselves Mm -hmm. sufficiently from this particular reality that they can actually present themselves as anything else in a parallel reality, any form, any shape whatsoever. Mm -hmm. The idea of the sage, which is sort of synonymous with the idea we call wizardry uh, in our reality, is then when they can actually get other people to sort of join in with that concept and actually see things changing, see things popping in from other realities Mm -hmm. that look like you're actually making changes in this one but it's simply by forming an energetic agreement with someone that they're starting to share a common parallel reality with you so that they see things in this reality apparently changing into the shapes of other things in other realities. So it's a mastery of the physical realm where you can actually present the physical realm in any way, shape, or form and cause what appears to be magic to be happening. The final level, Wraith, is where you have such a command over the idea of your connection to physical reality that you can actually start engaging people in non-physical reality, in the Mm -hmm. spirit realm, Mm -hmm. and bring things in and allow people to experience things that would normally be beyond physical reality. Uh, connecting them more to spirit, connecting them to higher selves, Mm -hmm. to other dimensional beings, to other levels of consciousness, including, of course, always as source. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are basically the five levels of mastery that Willa Hilichrissing herself as a future hybrid on Earth is going through or has gone through or will go through, however you want to (laughs) look at the relationship that you have with the concept of past, present, and future. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a a it's, basic description. Is Willa so
0: in the in book 1 <clears throat> it's about Willa being at the level of mastery of cryptic
1: about learning to start that level of cryptic and mm-hmm. book 2 continues that and takes her into the level of nocturnal. Okay. And in the book the science fiction aspect of it is that she has to, you know, just for the sake of creating an exciting story that we're familiar with as science fiction stories. She learns that she has, which is actually a, a, a true part of her. She has a particular genetic structure that allows her to master these things Mm -hmm. much more quickly than normal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it becomes sort of, um, people have to start relying on her to master these things more powerfully than anyone normally would because there is a threat to the earth that Mm -hmm. she has to be responsible Mm -hmm. primarily for staving off um and this involves like you know another reality another species another alien species mm-hmm. that has their own agenda uh, about what they want to do with the galaxy mm. um that's in a sense the fictional part of it it's not fictional in the ultimate sense because there are realities like that but i'm combining different realities right. for the purpose of telling what a passes story. for us a an exciting adventurous action packed story
0: so these Levels of mastery, mm-hmm. uh, these are, I mean, they sound like what we experience to some degree, too, or ways that, I mean, in this time, space, reality, humans. Oh, sure. Yeah. We
1: can do that. And in mm-hmm. fact, Willa is actually starting to teach us how to do mm-hmm. the first level in coming through the channelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's giving us different kinds of exercises, meditations, mm-hmm. so on and so forth, to begin to get us to understand what that first level is all about. Mm-hmm. And she will continue to do so for, for quite a while because there's a lot to learn when becoming a cryptic about how you connect and communicate with mm-hmm. nature and different aspects of that consciousness.
0: It, it's, it's all very mm-hmm. um, aligned with also what well, you might say, Abraham Maslow's um, pyramid of self-actualization or the chakra system, because sure. I actually do have a, a, a close friend and colleague who basically opened her third <laughs> eye Mm-hmm. Before she had really kind of done the the <clears throat> grounding, you know, really getting sure. uh, purging of fear beliefs and everything and having so much resonance and alignment with fear, essentially... That's yeah. what she saw, mostly, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and she saw it for real. Well, you know? right, and
1: we all have aspects mm-hmm. of this anyway, mm-hmm. and that's what she wants us to build on. Yes. Is you already are experiencing some of these mm-hmm. effects, so let's put them together in a coordinated form where you can really master all of them and see all the interconnections there, mm-hmm. and move on to higher and higher versions of this idea of mastering yourself. Mm-hmm. Basically, I mean, it all really comes down to the very ancient. Uh, understanding of know thyself mm-hmm. more deeply, 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 deeply. And as you go farther and farther in, you also go farther and farther out right. simultaneously.
0: Because both are, yes, because as above, so below. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: Out is a reflection of in.
0: Mm-hmm. And so the, the wraith, that, I mean, would we maybe equate that to what we kind of in metaphysics or mysticism think of as avatars? Or actually, avatar sounds like that might be more of the sage level. The witches and Um, wizards kind of? A
1: little bit. I mean, an avatar in general is a representation. It's kind of like the simulacrum Mm -hmm. that we talked about earlier. It's a representation of a certain expression of consciousness Mm -hmm. or energy. The wraith um, can express avatars, and other levels can as well. But it's more about the idea of something similar to what Bashar is expressing In his uh, society now, in their evolution as extraterrestrials, they're evolving out of physical reality. They still have physical bodies, Mm -hmm. but they're literally walking between two worlds. They express not only physicality, they express a lot of the abilities that we assign to spirit. Mm. So time and space for them is very flexible and malleable. They can shift their consciousness up and down the timeline very easily. They can be aware of multiple parallel reality versions of themselves simultaneously. A lot of the things we ascribe that spirit can do, they can now do. Mm. And therefore, that's more the expression of the wraith in terms of the five levels of mastery. Someone who still can express some degree of physicality, but also expresses degrees of abilities that we normally consider spirits to be capable of, like mm-hmm. walking through walls, mm-hmm. because the walls aren't solid to a spirit, things like that.
0: Levitation.
1: Levitation, uh-huh. all that kind of stuff. Um, so really, that's sort of more the expression of what the wraith level of mastery is capable of, of allowing someone to do, is sort of be literally function like a physical spirit.
0: And this is <clears throat> reminding me also of what we understand about um, Atlantis Lemuria th- having th- that those societies having had this kind of ability or or at experiences, least experiences something, close to something it, yeah, like yeah, it. at mm-hmm. their
1: height yeah which I guess then they later lost mm-hmm. um, but yeah it, it's the whole idea of attempting to sort of regain that knowledge that's been lost um, in many ways Bashar has actually compared uh, America to a resurgence of Atlantis so mm-hmm. that we're sort of uh, trying again to see if we can get it right this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <coughs> so <clears throat> yeah uh, but all of this information coming out at this time more awareness <clears throat> of this kind of metaphysical and spiritual information I think is part and parcel of reclaiming and regaining the knowledge that's been lost so that we can make a decision about what kind of reality we really do want to experience this time around in this cycle that we're creating of the illusion of time.
0: Interesting. Interesting that uh, Bashar equates us to potentially a new Atlantis or golden Mm -hmm. age. But uh, I think I've heard Bashar mention, or maybe it was you, I'm not sure, mention something about the year 2032. Is that right?
1: He's talked about the fact, people have asked him, you know, about the concept of open contact with Mm -hmm. extraterrestrials. When would that begin? Now, of course, from his perspective, and he said this many times, the fact that he is actually communicating with us is part of contact. Mm -hmm. It's like an
0: inoculation.
1: Exactly. It's the way that they begin orienting people to the concept that there are other levels of consciousness out there, other expressions, other extraterrestrial civilizations. Um, But they're also doing that in a very gentle way not to prove that they exist, but to see what we do with the information, Mm -hmm. because that's what makes the determination as to whether open contact would actually happen between our respective civilizations. However, when people ask him, well, when do you think that's likely to begin, he has usually said the general window of probability right now, as he reads our energy, Mm -hmm. uh, is sometime between uh, 2025 and 2033 to 2040. Mm -hmm. You'll have isolated, more isolated incidents of open contact mm-hmm. that will eventually lead to a public awareness that such beings exist and the beginnings of true open contact between our respective civilizations and certainly no later than 2050 we will, will be interacting with them. Now, one thing I want to say about that is <clears throat> he's very adamant in getting people to understand that there's actually no such thing as a prediction of, of the future. Right. What people are sensing when they make predictions is the energy that exists at the moment the prediction is made. And if that energy doesn't change, Mm -hmm. it can start to manifest and we say the prediction came true. If the energy changes, something else will happen. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean the prediction was wrong. It just means we've changed the energy and in many cases, someone making a prediction and saying, look, this is the highest probability that I sense the direction we're going in right now Mm -hmm. when I'm making this prediction... If you take that information and you don't prefer that and you change it, the prediction has then rendered itself obsolete because you know about it now and you've decided to go in a different path. So prediction is the sensing of the energy of the present mm-hmm. and the likely probabilities as to whether it will change direction or not. But being made aware of a prediction is part of changing the direction.
0: Another one of those tools. If you right. if you stick to that, then you know let exactly. it be the master. So yeah. the
1: few times that Bashar has actually mm-hmm. made what we consider to be a future prediction that mm-hmm. has come true, he's basically saying, the energy at the time I made the prediction was so unlikely yeah. to change that I felt comfortable telling you that this was going to be probably 90 to 100% going to happen yeah. because uh, he did that with uh, the 9 yeah. 11. Uh, said that there would be a terrorist strike in New York before the end of 2001. That obviously passed. He recently said everything would change for us in this country in the fall of 2016.
0: (laughs) What happened then? (laughs) Which
1: apparently it has, and we're now forced to look at a whole bunch of new ideas. But he also sees it as a positive thing, because Mm -hmm. when things break apart like that in unexpected Mm -hmm. ways, you're given an opportunity to really decide which way you really prefer things to go everything kind of comes out on the table. You really see what's going on behind the scenes and can make more informed decisions about what kind of a future we really would prefer to have. So all these things to him can be handled in positive ways. He did a really cool analogy of what happened in 2016 that I, I like to use. And that is, you know, before that, we all kind of felt like, well, we're just kind of floating down this wonderful, calm, Little stream, now suddenly we're in the rapids Mm -hmm. and everything's just coming apart at the seams. But he said, "But if you understand how to maintain your balance and ride the rapids, Mm. you actually get downstream faster." Right. So it's about the using it for the acceleration that it provides Mm us, using it for the understanding that if something unexpected, really unexpected, happened then that means all bets are off and anything can happen. So take that energy and focus it in the direction of your preference, and it will actually accelerate you in that direction regardless of whether or not the cause was your preference. You Mm -hmm. can use what you don't prefer Mm -hmm. in a way that you do. And that's what makes the difference in your world. Because basically what he's saying is, and this goes back to the multiple parallel simultaneous existence of things, he's saying you never actually change the world you're on. You You change yourself, and you shift yourself vibrationally to another already existing parallel version of Earth that is already more representative of the change you made within you. Mm -hmm. The other one still exists and the people that are happy being there will still be there. Mm -hmm. But eventually you will no longer see them and they will no longer see you. You'll literally be in two different or three or four different realities and this will become stronger and stronger and stronger over time. Right now, we still have the ability to perceive realities that are not what we prefer, Mm -hmm. seemingly on the same planet. But in time, that will become farther and farther and farther more apart, more distinctly as a different vibration of a different parallel reality. And eventually in time, we will only see those that are at least to some degree on a similar vibrational compatible wavelength to what we've chosen.
0: Uh, this actually, I woke in the middle of the night and <laughs> couldn't stop thinking about the idea of maybe micro realities and <clears throat> macro realities. So I have a, I have billions of mm-hmm. per second micro realities sure. that I am selecting right. uh, parallel realities. Right. But then you know. <laughs> but the, you have branching
1: ones too that are yeah. like whole timelines that yes. form whole timelines or what we perceive as whole timelines
0: and ones that are i'm also experiencing you know with others mm-hmm. with collect, you know collectively because you're
1: all agreeing to you're all on yes. a similar wavelength uh-huh. right right
0: but there so is there are there like if we say something like the the uh, potential future of mm-hmm. the earth or something <coughs> are is, are there maybe uh, fewer macro realities that, where the collective is experiencing something or is it still just infinite and there are just like you know all these parallel in realities.
1: general it might as well be infinite mm-hmm. but there probably is some finite aspects to it because r- what's relevant, for an Earth reality, Mm -hmm. might be relatively finite. Mm. Otherwise, if you go beyond that, it's probably not what we would consider to be a typical Earth reality anymore. It might be something else, another planet altogether. So it's finite in a certain sense within a certain relevant framework. Beyond that, though, there's an infinite number of expressions of that. We just wouldn't consider them to be the same reality anymore, Mm -hmm. the way we look at reality.
0: I want not, to not totally shift gears, but I want to ask you, we have a few minutes left, but there's a few things I want to ask you. One is when I was at a workshop of Bashar's, mm-hmm. and I actually, I can't remember if it was me or someone else asked. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: okay. See, the blending is yeah, happening. Yeah,
0: exactly. I don't know. Doesn't it doesn't really was, matter. It was that third mm-hmm. yes, exactly. <laughs> entity that we created about um, oversouls and mm-hmm. If there is, uh, like, approximately how many oversouls there are at this particular time? It does
1: shift. It's dynamically shifting. But Bashar has said that the 7 billion individual Mm -hmm. people on the Earth are Roughly representative of somewhere between 300,000 to 500,000 oversouls.
0: Okay, and so that there comes are a-
1: many, many extensions of the same oversoul that right. form different people.
0: Right. Now, what about so far as um, animals and nature and yeah, their oversouls? They, they're coming from the same oversouls as humans? Well, there or? are
1: oversouls and oversouls of oversouls. Right. <laughs> so it, it starts vibrationally sort of breaking down and mm-hmm. it eventually becomes, let's say, an oversoul of everything on the earth mm-hmm. and oversoul of of humans on the earth, yes. animals on the earth, trees on the earth, rocks on the earth. Okay, you know, good, It yeah. breaks down more and more and more until we get down to the individual soul that then sort of vibrationally breaks itself into a non-physical higher mind mm-hmm. and a physical personality mind mm-hmm. that is ideally supposed to work together in balance in order to function as a whole person. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So that's why it's so important to really allow ourselves to let the physical mind do what it's designed to do, which is just give us a physical experience. Let us perceive physical reality as if it's solid. It's not really the job of the physical mind to figure out how things are Mm -hmm. going to happen. Mm -hmm. That's the job of the higher mind, Mm because the higher mind is like standing on a mountaintop. Mm -hmm. The physical mind is the person down in the valley and can't see around the corner. Mm -hmm. But the higher mind can. So if you allow the higher mind to say, look, you need to really go left here. You really need to go right. Mm -hmm. If you ignore the higher mind, you wind up falling into holes. But if you balance with it, listen to it, and respond to it properly... It will actually guide you because that's its function. That's why we create the higher mind and the physical mind so that the physical mind isn't left alone in physical reality to wander aimlessly. The higher mind can guide you. The way the higher mind guides you is through its own language, Mm -hmm. the vibration that we translate as passion. That's its language. Mm -hmm. So when something contains a lot of passion, excitement, love, creativity, that's actually a communication from the higher mind saying this is you go in this direction, this is your truth, this Mm -hmm. is your alignment. When we ignore it, we're ignoring the communication of the higher mind, yes, we Mm -hmm. fall into suffering, we fall into pain, we fall into disharmony. But if we respond to it by acting, Mm Action. Physical action Mm. is the language of physical reality.
0: Then we make the connection. Then we make the connection Ah.
1: by actually responding and acting on the passion to the best of our ability with no insistence on the outcome. Mm -hmm. Because we don't know what the best outcome is as Mm -hmm. physical beings. But if we do that, we are actually responding to the higher mind's communication saying, yes, I hear you and I will follow the guidance. Mm. Because you're actually giving that guidance to yourself. Mm -hmm. The higher mind is still you. It's just that you have to learn to pay attention to that as part of your consciousness Mm -hmm. and not think that the physical mind is the end-all be-all and knows everything. That's where the negative ego comes in and starts thinking that it controls everything, Mm -hmm. which it doesn't. It's really just like the diving mask. When you go diving, you wanna see clearly under the water, you put a diving mask on. That's the job of the physical mind, of Mm -hmm. the ego structure, just to see clearly in physical reality. Mm -hmm. Without it, things would be fuzzy. But the diving mask doesn't tell you where to go.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It just gets you to see clearly where you decide to go.
0: Yes, right, right. So
1: the higher mind can help you decide where to go. The physical mind is just there to help you have that experience as clearly as possible when you mm-hmm. get there.
0: As a physical being, which is, again, being. why the level of mastery of cryptic is so important. Yes. Because you have to <clears throat> identify to the the, the um, choice of the higher mind or the soul yeah. to become physical, <laughs> to, exactly. to experience physicality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, I, <laughs> when I was 20 years old. This uh, friend or colleague, she was talking about having her experience doing mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And she was saying, uh, you know, these colors. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. I could get into colors. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd never done any. I I don't even remember if I had done any. The only drug I've ever done is is marijuana, which I can't do at all anymore because it opens up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. It opens up, opens me up too much. And she was saying, yeah. And then I went to the refrigerator to get water and there were fairies and gnomes. And I said, hold on.
1: (laughs) Elementals.
0: (laughs) I know, but you know, I was that was yeah. a long time ago. I didn't believe it. I said, No, no, no. I'm trying to not see fairies and gnomes right now. I'm white knuckling three D and it okay. turned out to be absolutely it's true.
1: Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I
0: was trying to because I needed to be I really felt that yeah. I would basically float off into
1: Well, that is why the grounding is I important. Was,
0: I was. It was in my grounding phase yeah, apparently. Exactly. <laughs> it's kinda
1: like you have to forget who you are yeah. to remember who you are from another point of view.
0: Yes. is basically the process of physical
1: reality. (laughs) Because without that, you don't really discover something new. You don't discover a different perspective, a different Mm -hmm. angle of your journey. Mm -hmm. But by the process of apparently forgetting, then you are starting with a clean slate and you can look at things from very fresh perspectives. Mm. That's why we do physical reality.
0: How much time do we have, Producer Kurt? We have six minutes. Oh, good. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So I wanted to ask you, if it's all right, a couple of things. I wanted to ask about the importance of Bashar, has um, spoken to, or if you have mm-hmm. a perspective of the importance of the whole dis- people having the disclosure. <clears throat> Um, concern like that there are there has been and there is a lot of contact and that yeah. has been happening and that the government is hiding it and that disclosing that content is contact is actually going to help us to set you know. The I stage. know
1: I, I I you know it's hard to say whether the, the certain aspects of the government will be willing to do that or mm-hmm. not. I think there are people working from the inside who do want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are people working from the outside of that that want that to happen. And, of course, it is an important moment in our history that disclosure does happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the idea is really it's happening already. And it's happening in a way that our society can possibly handle a little bit more easily. Because if you really stop and think about it, when when you bring up the subject of UFOs to a lot of people who never talk about such things, when they start to feel comfortable, you'll find that in a lot of cases they'll go, oh, I had a sighting. Oh, I saw this. Oh, right? this happened to me or that happened to me. They just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I call that kind of the biggest secret that everyone already knows. Mm-hmm. I think when we get to the point of disclosure, it'll kind of be like, hey, we're just at that point where we've crossed a threshold and tipped the scales to where all the people that already know what's going on finally admit that yeah. it's going on. And that will really sort of accelerate the idea of the public going, well, you know what? Yeah, we all knew this already anyway. And therefore, it's not going to be such a shock to the system. So it's a slow growth kind of thing. And I'm not relying on the government to Mm -hmm. do it. I'm relying on people to become more aware that it is happening and just start to talk about it more and more and form a network of realization that disclosure is actually already here. We just need to talk about it,
0: right? <laughs> well, people feel isolated in it. They think they're crazy,
1: exactly. Or- and that's part of the disinformation side of it. Yes, that's a fa- afraid of it, and mm-hmm. and coming from fear based beliefs that it'll you know destroy our society and all that. And I'm not saying that there isn't some justification for that because obviously, when people are not on that wavelength, they do react you know very negatively to certain kinds of things, mm-hmm. and they're very afraid of certain kinds of things. But the more people understand, there's nothing to be afraid of and that they're just connecting to other versions of themselves, basically, mm-hmm. um, then I think you know, we'll settle into it in a way that works for us. Um, but So in that sense, I do think disclosure is happening. It's just happening in a way that is a process, as opposed to necessarily being an immediate revelation, mm-hmm. uh, which won't work for some people. In time, we'll all know it's happening anyway. But...
0: Well, Well, work like you're doing with the film and books, like
1: information out, right?
0: It's like, again, putting it in the context Mm -hmm. of uh, sci fi fantasy Mm -hmm. is actually a a kind of inoculation, too, because people are experiencing in their imaginal space, the potential reality.
1: Exactly. And Mm -hmm. then it's not such a surprise Mm -hmm. when the reality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I read that story. Mm You know?
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, you know what? What uh, dawned on me when you were talking about that is that we have a, a few models just showed up to me, like the kind of recent um, disclosure of the widespread Sexual assault, uh, you know, in different corporate, you know, with against women. A lot of disclosure is Mm -hmm. happening
1: on different levels because, again, we need to break our society to the point where we're getting everything on the table so that we know what we're really dealing with, so we can more consciously choose what we prefer and don't prefer Mm -hmm. our society to be. So it's important to have the breakdown and everything get exposed Mm -hmm. and disclosed, so that we have all the information to work with. Otherwise, the more there are secrets then you know we're not really being able to choose the things that we prefer because we don't know they're going on
0: right you know, and we don't know the difference and we get the dress rehearsal of having made it through something so tra- dark you know what exactly. I mean that kind of disclosure sure. is very difficult and painful i mean we'll actually what it's not re- just the idea that it's kind of like doing shadow work
1: yes when absolutely, you do absolutely.
0: shadow you're not actually injuring yourself if you do it right right <laughs> you, you've already been injured right. and you're releasing the injury
1: right so mm-hmm. you're using the shadow in a positive way yeah. to reveal more of what's going on within you because it's not just about you know disclosing things in the outer world it's about mm-hmm. revealing things to yourself about what you've been believing in that hasn't been working for you mm-hmm. that are fear-based and negatively oriented beliefs that hold you back from being more of your true self
0: what about uh numbers eleven eleven some people
1: synchronicities
0: yes, those synchronicities are <clears throat> yeah. is that sometimes literally utilized by Let's say uh, the SSANI or actually Eshikani is how the it, it name doesn't is. It doesn't matter. It can,
1: it can be. Mm-hmm. Bashar usually describes those kinds of numerical synchronicities mm. as road signs to let you know that at that moment that that happens, you're in the correct vibration to be fully aligned with yourself. Mm. Stay there. Mm. Remember what that feels like and stay in that feeling. Mm-hmm. No matter how things look, you're in that feeling. That's what the synchronicity is showing you. So we give ourselves these road signs, these road maps, these little symbols to go, oh, this is the state I need to be in. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we can continue to reinforce that more and more and more and allow synchronicity to work for us in positive ways. Because remember, there is also such a thing as negative synchronicity. Yes. The more we hold on to negative beliefs, the more we get negative synchronicity to reinforce that. Mm -hmm. But the more we pay attention to the positive beliefs, we'll also get the positive synchronicity to reinforce that.
0: Because the negative... Synchronicity, well, we have a free will, you know, absolutely, absolutely free choose. will. And so if we have momentum in whatever we're focusing we upon, do. and when it's the negative, it's actually the soul saying, hey, learn these lessons so that you, don't, you can if break If you use patterns. it that way, right. Yeah. If you're
1: not afraid of what happens, because, mm-hmm. as again, as Bashar says, which I think is a very powerful way to look at life, it's not about what happens.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's about what you do with what happens. That's what matters.
0: My guides once told me, it doesn't matter what decision you make. It matters who you are when you make the decision. Meaning Same idea, exactly. state you're in. Love, yeah, love or fear. Yeah. Or, so
1: even if means. something manifests that you, let's say, neutrally, objectively, mm-hmm. with no emotional charge, don't prefer, mm-hmm. if you use it in the way you do prefer, mm-hmm. you'll get the benefit from it. Because if something happens and manifests that you don't prefer there must still be a reason Mm -hmm. that it did. Mm -hmm. If you understand that and stay in a positive state, you will extract a beneficial effect from it, even if it was something you didn't objectively prefer. That's how you use what you don't prefer in a way that you do.
0: And the way that my guide said that to me (laughs) one time was, Love is so powerful that it can it can make a wrong thing the right thing to have happened. Yeah, it can trans- correct it in that moment. It. Exactly yes.
1: by using it mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Because everything serves double duty. Mm-hmm. Everything that happens is fundamentally neutral. It doesn't have built-in meaning. Mm-hmm. We give it meaning. Mm-hmm. The meaning we give it determines what we get out of it and what we experience from it. So when we say all right, you know, this happened, but it's just a neutral set of props mm-hmm. that's being presented to me to allow me to decide what kind of meaning do I want to give this as to why this is in my life? Do I want to bemoan it? Do I want to get into a funk about it? Do I want to get depressed about it? Do I want to think that something's gone wrong in my life? Well, that's what gets reinforced.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But you go, okay, this must have happened for a reason that can serve me somehow. And just starting from there will allow you to remain in a positive state and extract a beneficial effect from why that showed up. Mm-hmm. You start to learn new perspectives. You start to see the bigger picture. You start to understand how everything can serve you if you use it that way, like you said. Mm-hmm. And that's really the big lesson. It's not what happens, it's what you do with what happens that makes the difference in your reality.
0: So nothing is unredeemable. No time, Nothing is
1: unredeemable, yeah. no.
0: And I, I remember, this will be the last thing that I, <laughs> we probably have to, probably over time, but I remember Bashar describing Anxiety and excitement. The Mm -hmm. energy beneath it, the neutral energy, is exactly the same. It's just the filter.
1: It's just the filter. Mm -hmm. It's anxiety when you filter it through negative fear-based beliefs. Mm -hmm. It's excitement when you filter it through positive beliefs.
0: And and so tell everyone the instruction manual again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The instruction manual starts out by following your passion Mm -hmm. to the best you can Mm -hmm. with no insistence or assumption of what the outcome is supposed to look like. That activates the toolkit. It becomes the driving engine of your life. It becomes amplified positive synchronicity in your life. It becomes the path of least resistance in your life. It becomes the path that connects you to all expressions of excitement that are relevant in your life. Mm -hmm. It becomes the support system in your life that gives you whatever form of abundance will allow you to continue Mm -hmm. to follow your excitement the best you can. It becomes the reflective mirror that reveals to anything within you that is out of alignment with your excitement. So you can expose that belief and let that go and bring that energy back into alignment with your excitement. It is a complete kit. It leaves nothing relevant out that's important for you. And if you simply stay in the positive state with whatever happens, you'll get the positive and beneficial effect. That is the entire instruction manual for how reality works. Bashar can go deeply into each of those instructions and spend hours talking about each of them and clarify those instructions for people. But there are no more instructions. That's the entire kit. That's it. That's it.
0: Wow. Well... Bada bada bing. (laughs) Well, um, <clears throat> is there anything else you would like to tell folks about? I mean, I know you uh, you have the book, and I want to remind everyone to, to go and, and purchase yes, this book. It's and, amazing. And- you
1: know. and we've made a couple of films, Dearly mm-hmm. Departed and First Contact, which people yes. can get through our, again, uh, websites, either darylanka.com or org for First Contact and Dearly Departed on uh, darylanka.com or ziafilms.com, mm-hmm. which is my production company mm-hmm. that I have. Um. So um, First Contact basically will tell the whole story of how the channeling happened to me, who Bashar is, where all this is heading. And it kind of demystifies the whole concept of channeling and uh, gives people a better idea of what open contact might be like mm-hmm. when we uh, make better contact with ourselves.
0: Yeah, I've seen First Contact. I was at uh, one of the showings for it a couple years ago it was, I mm-hmm. think. Oh, no, it was in 2017. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, almost a couple years ago. (laughs) Technically. So um, I highly recommend purchase and download both of those films and the book and... Uh, well, again, thank you so much. It's thank you, an I appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> you, hum- I'm humbled by <laughs> you saying that. And uh, but I, I wish you so many blessings as you continue to do this work on our beautiful planet. And I thank you so much for all of your work.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: And thank you all for tuning in. I will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. I love you, whoever you are.